Welcome to the Linguist Lounge, a podcast dedicated to all us world language teachers who want a place for ideas, humor, and professional development. Whether you're a seasoned veteran or just starting out in the field of language education, we aim to offer valuable insights and practical tips to help you improve your teaching skills that will better connect you with your students and your craft. From classroom strategies and lesson planning to cultural immersion and technology integration, we cover it all in a fun, quick, and engaging way that will leave you feeling inspired and motivated to take your teaching to the next level. All right, everybody, welcome back to episode three of the Linguist Lounge. I'm Luke. I'm Heather. And I'm Billy. Let's get into it. So, today we're here once again doing a... I don't know if I would call it an interview so much as just like a introduction to the linguists. Mm-hmm. Last episode, we heard from Heather, who is exactly who she said she was. <laughs> <laughs> and today, so that's right. And today, <laughs> we're going to hear <laughs> we're going to hear from the second linguist. Her name is Delete. So, Delete, why don't you tell us just to start? Why don't you tell us a little bit about your origin story? Every time I say that, I think about like Batman or like a villain. No, me too. Exactly. But you kind of are a villain. If if this if we 100%. were in a if this was a a I'm real superhero group, I think you would be the most nefarious of us all. I'm not gonna argue with it. Um, I'll, I'll I'll take it. Um, okay, so I'm from Tennessee. And um, I'm an only child, which is um, explains a lot uh, once yeah. you get to know me. Um, I started out uh, going to college for public relations and communications. Oh. Um, I know, you just learned so much, right? Yeah. And graduated and eventually figured I didn't have the patience to do the things that I needed to do in the moment to get to where I wanted to be mm-hmm. in public relations. So... I had a conversation with myself, I actually remember where I was really? when I had this conversation and I was like looking back on all my learnings and I said, what made me, the, I asked myself what made me the happiest and I had minored in Spanish um, in undergrad but did it kind of just for like business purposes, you know, mm. eh, this might come in handy one day. Hmm. But I, during that, one of the requirements, uh, no, actually it wasn't a requirement, but um, my mom uh, sponsored me to go study abroad for a summer in Mexico. And honestly, it was one of the most life-changing, altering, but fun times. That's when I realized that I, I love traveling, was good at it. You know, again, the only child, I'm really independent, did well. But also had a lot of challenges during that summer. And did you already know Spanish at that time? Yeah, I mean, I was, I was intermediate. I wouldn't say I was advanced yet, but I was, I was solidly intermediate. I could have like able to communicate. Yeah, I could have basic conversations. But I would say one of the challenges is having an intermediate conversation in your classroom with guided and help your teacher holding your hand is quite different when you step off the airplane or bus and you're all of a sudden living with a family in Mexico who doesn't speak English mm-hmm. and navigating and negotiating all of that so mm-hmm. yeah it was um it was an eye-opener and um I'll, I'll, I don't know I'll go into this in a minute but yeah there was there's that definitely was a defining moment of my life so I decided to go back and get a second undergrad in Spanish which continued, then I continued into grad school and got my master's in um, secondary 
education. And then I decided after I got my master's, I hadn't gotten my traveling out of my system. So before I... I still don't think it's out of your system. No, it's not out of my system. Yeah, that's so true. Traveling is not out of my system. I suppose I should say living abroad Mm -hmm. is um, possibly for the time being out of my system. Um, But before I wanted to come back, settle down in the States, I was like, I'm going to live a year abroad. And I chose Costa Rica for few reasons but one of the main ones is it's a Spanish-speaking country and um, so I lived abroad that year worked abroad I taught English to native Spanish speakers at um, uh, I guess a technological college a tech college and um, really enjoyed that came back after that year and one of my best friends knew the director of an ESL program so I actually didn't teach Spanish right away when I got back I spent the next 10 years teaching English as a second language to the call to a college's group of international students. So do you have students. your endorsement for that? I do not it's actually that's a whole different ballgame to get a public uh, like a public school teacher endorsement I'd have to take Mm-hmm. a few more classes and oh. to be honest I feel like I could teach some of those classes but that's that's a different <laughs> yeah. that's a different episode but yeah, yeah so so okay I re- resigned from that job a few months into the pandemic um, I already kind of knew that I needed to be around more students I worked at a small private liberal arts college loved it loved my co-workers loved the environment I mean it was everything I wanted my undergrad to be but I went to a larger um, public university but anyway I just still needed to be around more students so I had already decided to resign and go back into public education teaching Spanish um, but this was a different part of Tennessee we lived in. And then my husband got called for a job in back in Middle Tennessee, which is where um, most of our family lives. And so that is why I'm here right now mm-hmm. with you guys. And your husband's mm-hmm. name is? Justin. Okay. Because so, yep. she'll refer to him probably a Yes, lot. I definitely. I definitely. <laughs> so yeah, husband's name Justin. We are now two years living back in Middle Tennessee, which mm-hmm. is where we met before all the travels and the grad school and such mm-hmm. and the jobs and the kids. I have two kids. They are eight and five. Amazing. Yep. They're so cute, too. Mm-hmm. They are very cute. Thank you. <laughs> um, so you kind of already touched on this, but would you say that that trip that you took in college to Mexico would be like the real the real turning point of when you were like, I want to do this. Like, yeah. This is the thing that I'm... Oh, I didn't know it at the time, but it was setting the groundwork yep. for it. Because mm-hmm. not only did it like kind of steer me when I looked back at what was you know important to me, it steered me in my career direction, but I would say it just steered me in my life direction. Um, you guys want to hear um, a story about sure. that? Sure. Yeah. So... This is a lesson for all if you're if you are young and naive and traveling. <laughs> don't ever leave your bag or purse alone and unattended, no matter where you are. The very <laughs> first night I was studying abroad, I had my card, my debit card. I didn't have a credit card, a debit card stolen. And if you know anything about cards, it's actually more detrimental for your debit card to be stolen because you're not getting that money back very mm-hmm. easily at all. And so lots of stuff happened. My mom had to do a lot of stuff in the States to get that money replacing and just get money to me to survive and live a whole summer oh my um, mm-hmm. abroad. And she called. So this was, <clears throat> I feel like Luke's going to make an age joke here, but this was before the days you carried around a cell phone. And, I would um, never. <laughs> which two of the three of us remember those days. So. Yeah. And so I, I remember those days too. What are you talking about? <laughs> But I had no cell phone, 
And the only point of contact for parents and families was the house that the um, main professor lived in. He lived with a family that he had known for decades. And you, if a parent had a question, they had to call the house where the professor lived and speak to that family who knew no English. So my mom calls, she gets the lady of the house and who doesn't speak English, and my mom doesn't speak Spanish, oh, and they are that. negotiating <laughs> this, um, you know, conversation about pretty complex conversation about money and wiring money because yes even then I, you had to wire money it was I don't know I don't really don't know how that works I am very young and I don't know what wiring money was about <laughs> but anyway my mom had to wire money to me and it was complicated and it all worked out in the end but my mom told me to tell that professor that she was mad at him because there was not an easier way for her to communicate and I thought my, the professor was going to be like, oh, I'm so sorry. That's a terrible experience. And you know what that professor said? He was like, well, tell your mom I'm mad at her. Why would she call Mexico expecting someone to speak English? That's fair. And That's fair. that is totally fair and <laughs> is honestly a driving force in my life. Why do we go into situations yeah. thinking that people should speak our language right. and do things the way we do? Kind of something Heather talked about. Um, with her episode, just like we think things are weird or the mm -hmm. all odd, and it's not. It's just that other people do things a different way. And starting right. with language, we shouldn't jump into situations thinking that everybody should know English, and mm -hmm. that's a huge driver for me with my students. Mm -hmm. So, mm -hmm. is that would that would you say that that's what drives you? Because that's one of the other questions that we talked about too. What what drives you? Then? Yeah, I mean, I would say definitely. I I I want to be a vessel for tolerance patience right. and understanding and as corny as it sounds i hope i'm doing my little piece in the world to promote world peace right you know i know that sounds silly but no it, it doesn't it, it's sounds what great. i feel yeah yeah and i think that you i think you are first of all mm -hmm. but i think that's kind of our job too like all educators that's our job is like to build better people yeah. so i think that's definitely yeah. Um, you're definitely hitting the mark. Oh, you're exceeding. Guys. You're exceeding expectations. <laughs> On a scale of one to five, you're six. Oh my goodness. You okay. Me. <laughs> it's because you deserve it. Uh, what? So, just kind of talking about education. You've you have done a great job of like sort of answering a lot of the questions that I was going to ask you anyway. But what's something that you think most people get wrong about our career? Mm -hmm. Oof. I was going to ask the same one. It's like we're on the same. Page. We are literally. <laughs> okay, I honestly think if you're not an educator and you're looking at what the news and the world's feeding you about what teachers feel like, I actually think most teachers really do like their jobs and really are passionate about their students and what they're teaching. But I honestly think the viewpoint of the general non-educator person is that we're all burnout mm -hmm. with no passion mm -hmm. and actually don't really like the kids right. that we deal with. Yeah. I find, I mean, obviously there are teachers out there that do that, but mm -hmm. for the general, for most teachers that I meet, no, most people have that passion. You know, we all have to rekindle it at, at times, right. but I don't think that the most people that I've met um, yeah. feel that way. Yeah, and I think that's why it's so important to have people like you guys because mm -hmm. it, it kind of helps exactly. like when you're feeling like I, there have been so many times over the past two years that I have been in one of y'all's rooms and I've been like, I cannot do this anymore. And y'all are like, yes, you can. Yes, you can. You love it. You and, know. and I feel like, I mean, I'm not I'm not trying to say this in like a negative way, but I feel like you guys have done the same for me too at, that, at times. Like we all, yeah. I think we all go through like, like hard times in general but especially in education like there is such a really negative worldview on what we do right now mm -hmm. and I think it's really important to have 
like people that you can sort of like lean on, especially mm-hmm. your coworkers. Yeah, it's true because even your spouse, I mean, they have understanding for right. you, you know, but since they're not in the field, it's right. harder for them to, you know. Yeah. It's, it's just a hard job to, you, you have to find someone that can help and, and that can understand exactly what you go through. Yeah. It's unlike any other profession. I mean, we all know that, but there's just so many things that I can, like, I'm the same way. I can talk to my wife about it, but at the end of the day, she's so caring and understanding, but there's some things that there's, you can't, you just can't convey it yeah, yeah, to yeah. people who, who don't, aren't in it, you right. know. 100%. Um, so and, what, kind of going along with that, what do you think, so the question, like, which one, what's your favorite thing about the job versus what's your least favorite? Yeah, short answer for the, what my favorite thing is the, just simply being around that many people a day and yeah you are very personal yeah thanks I I, I feel that I like that about myself and um, I just feel like it's not even always the quality of interactions the sheer quantity I think is good for people Um, I mean it's definitely selfish on my part like again I retired like resigned from a job so I could be with more students per day but the fact that I'm you know having touch points with probably close to I mean, not just my students, but like yeah. some of y'all students and oh, well, the hallway students. Well over 100 people. Well a day. over 100 well people a day. Yeah. That's actually, and that sounds a lot, but actually, that's something that I, I need. Well, I think that, <laughs> I think that number's low, too. I yeah, think, yeah I, I think it's probably closer to 200. Yeah. Like, I mean, it's definitely over 100 when you just count my students. Wouldn't but. you say, though, that that, I mean, it's. It seems to energize you. Yes, mm-hmm. I am. I if there's you know the spectrum of extrovert introvert. I'm what there's way <laughs> so over it's on actually, the extrovert. It's good yeah, I do not. I, I don't find myself getting tired out by having to talk. Yeah, I mean I get tired, but like not to by talk. that specific. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Okay, so if that's your favorite, then what do you think, or what is your the least then? Sorry to copy you, grading. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but I'll, you're so good at it. I, listen, you have. I, I am a good. Thing. I really appreciate the compliment, and I am good. But the reason comes from I hate it so much so I have design systems uh, and maybe yes. we'll have an episode in the future about oh, auto like the of automation hated. of grading yeah. in the future but, but you'll have to leave that one because I can do that I'm gonna do that because <laughs> ain't nobody on this table doing nothing like that except you <laughs> um but no I don't like it and I think it's also it's not just the admin of doing it which is I hate that too but it's also in the perfect world and I know that we don't live in the perfect world but I want students to be intrinsically motivated to do yeah. this why can't we just come into the classroom us all just speak our languages yeah. for 90 minutes and then go about our days right 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 that's how really long, though. it is long but yeah. like you said um you know i don't want the first conversation with students like well, yeah. how much what kind of grade is yeah. this and how this much is this rated yeah. is this for yeah. is this for a grade, this for a grade? Yeah. it's all for a grade always i've all been very helpful and optimistic by just the amount of people or let me rephrase that by the number of people that i have spoken to or inter- interacted with that are teachers that are trying to change that though like because that kind of starts with us in a way we can't expect kids to be like intrinsically motivated if we don't give them a reason to be right, and for yeah. so long especially and i'm not knocking anybody who's taught world language for a long time because there are a lot of really great seasoned veterans of world language teaching but there's just i remember when i was in high school it, the experience was vastly different than the experience that I'm trying to get yes. the students mm-hmm. now. I, I mean, it was, was you sit in a desk, you do the worksheet, mm-hmm. you, yep. you that, and that's it. And I think that's, I mean, and that's any, that's any class. That's not just world language, but I think that there are a lot of us that are really trying to turn the tides on that and like make it fun and make it interesting and make the kids enjoy it. And I think that we, we're well on our way to doing mm-hmm. that. Yes. So we're, we're not we're not super far removed from that. Yeah, I mean, I think I think the cl- most of the classes and most of the students that I have had, like 
we could exist in a non-writing sort of situation and mm-hmm. still get the same quality and quantity right. of work done. Right. Yeah. Um, but that's just not that's not the current reality. So kind of going along with that, how has your viewpoint of your career changed over the time that you've spent doing it? Because, I mean, obviously you have like two kind of two different careers. So how is your... Yeah. Um, God. Well, yeah, I think it would be really interesting if you spoke specifically about your student teaching experience first. Oh, okay. So student teaching... Um, was a whole year for me and the first semester I was able to get away with the students not knowing I wasn't the principal teacher but I don't know if that's really relevant or not but it was very much what you were saying kind of how I was mentored in the way that I was that I learned Spanish in high school um, very mm-hmm. grammatically based is this kind of what you're talking yeah, about absolutely. yeah very grammatically based um, not a whole lot of authentic um, conversations and resources happening even though you know the 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 industry and the theories were moving that way right but that is not how necessarily I was mentored um and just really focusing on a lot of rules and grammar and things like that and what I will say the biggest thing that has changed for me and you two definitely have helped me with this so much just in the two years that I've been here is really refocusing on why I do this which is relationship building mm-hmm. um the job that i had previously in esl i loved it so much but the type of students that you get when you get a student whose family has paid for them to come abroad and from another culture which other cultures i think typically do have more respect for the profession of teaching mm-hmm. but at the same time when you come in with that much res- with the students the respect they brought to me there was walls and boundaries mm-hmm. up mm-hmm. so that i couldn't i, I really sometimes had trouble even, breaking through those I think I did the best with what I was given um but this job public education high school education Mm -hmm. teenagers Mm -hmm. you can't I don't think you can be successful without Mm -hmm. starting with building good relationships and I just it's changed everything it's helped it's refocused my energies onto why I wanted to do this in the Mm -hmm. first place well, and I think we've we've talked about this before, maybe in the first episode, but there's something to be said about you're not going to get buy-in to what you're doing until they buy into you. Yeah. And so I think we have, I I think we all have really tried our best to make ourselves like, like approachable and like understanding and like mm-hmm. I want to, you know, there's there's something to be said about setting yourself apart from the students, but in the same way you kind of have to like come down to their level a little bit in terms of like I want to meet you where you are so that we can like bring you up and I think like that's really important you're doing a really good job with that like delete her her heart beats super hard for ninth graders which is like I love freshmen Ours do not meet for those freshmen, but she adores them. Why? Why? That's a good question. Why? Oh, it's because I'm not naive and immature at heart myself, and so they find me. (laughs) They just find my immature self. But you know that's that's such a cool thing because you know at our school we have these like intervention periods where we meet with different kids than we teach basically I mean there might be a little bit of overlap but at the end of the day I have a class full of like 25 26 kids that I don't get to teach they're just there for you know SEL and and you know kind of check-ins and stuff so Delete got signed ninth graders assigned to ninth graders this year and she has really had a fun time with them oh I forgot to say I wanted I forgot to tell our admin I wanted that situation again Uh that's okay I'm sure they're going to give it to you again so don't worry about it but (laughs) they're uh 
that I think it's really cool that you get to do that though because in in our school and I think most I don't know if, if this is a one size fits all solution or a scenario for Tennessee but you take a world language at 10th grade. Yes. Mm-hmm. So it's nice for you to have oh, yeah. FaceTime with them as ninth yeah. graders because mm-hmm. this next year when they come to take world language, they already know you. Yeah. Wow, hey, and if they're in your own classes, I'm going to have some info. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. amazing. In a great way. I really love class. that you have already, like, you just know all this information about these kids. Mm-hmm. But, mm-hmm. And, and you get to connect with kids that are new to the school. I mean, we're kind of in a special situation because the eighth grade is, like, in our school too, some of them. So... You know, some of them, it's not really a school change. It's just a, a building change, but a school change, yeah. rather. I'll be interested to see what this looks like next year for me if I do get ninth graders. Because also, they just loved me, too. I mean, I know, you know, I can't yeah. say that I'm not, I can't, I can't not credit myself for that. But, like, some of them, you saw, they just follow me around, yes. you know. And they can't, can't well, get rid okay. of them. And I love, in, a, in the best way. I mean, they, I love them. <laughs> but, like, I, I, I couldn't I couldn't get rid of them if I wanted to. I they, don't want to. Yeah, I think they that you know, like especially ninth grade, like it's so it's so um, good for them to have like somebody to like look to. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And I think yeah. like you're you're an excellent person for that, mm-hmm. obviously. And I think that. Well, I think you, they look for that. I think yeah. kids look for that teacher or that person that yeah. to connect with. Right. And so if they can have it in their very first year of experience, I mean that kind of sets the tone yeah. for them mm-hmm. throughout Absolutely. their high school career. Well, Dali, is there anything else that you would like to? let the audience know about you or or we could ask you a fun question like we did Heather oh well first of all I definitely want a fun question I'm always okay yes, fun yes, questions yes. but I did want to tell you guys something that neither one of you two know oh my gosh about I my very first touch point with Spanish in my whole life okay uh-huh. let's do it so I have or had a great uncle who before Venezuela become became who they were now he lived his whole young adult life, had children, raised a family in Venezuela. And when he would come and visit us in the States for holidays and birthdays and things like that, he would always speak Spanish to me. And it was just that he is this larger than life person. He was almost seven feet tall. Wow. He, he spoke Spanish, but he's from Louisiana. So he had this Louisiana very tall at all. Oh, so. yeah. Well, I mean, I was a kid then, so I definitely wasn't tall, but I haven't really. It hadn't changed much. It hasn't changed much at all, at all. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, so larger than life, he wore this huge, what do you call them, the, like a 10-gallon hat? Oh, yeah. You know what I'm uh-huh. talking about, those like type a, of cowboy yeah. hats? I mean, just like a character. I mean, and he, he had the same influence on my dad. I remember my dad telling me a story that he got in trouble at school one time because he made up this story that he had spent the summer like floating the Amazon with his <laughs> uncle. Anywho, so this great uncle of mine would speak Spanish to me. And because of who he was and the character he was, I just thought he was the coolest thing. And yeah. there is no doubt in my mind that affected me yeah, at absolutely. some point. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. Interesting. Yeah. I think huh. the, okay, that's, that makes a lot of sense, number one, because I was like, you have to have had, I mean, in, I think most of the time, like, you have to have had something when you were younger that mm-hmm. really, like, sparked yeah. some sort of interest. Yeah. I, we'll talk more about me later, but that's the okay, same right. thing for me. But um, my question for you is what is your go-to karaoke song oh my go-to karaoke song let's see and we've done some karaoke in your jeep oh yeah i mean i guess you can't really call that karaoke but we We were singing real loud i knew the words i don't know the words i'm gonna give you two answers i'm gonna give you two answers one that all my friends okay i'm gonna give you the real answer and then i'm gonna give you what i wish the answer was. okay great. the real answer is the truth comes out Proud Mary by yes, Tina Turner. Yep. Mm-hmm. R.I.P. Tina Turner, by the way. Um, so Proud Mary is my go-to, but I have really been wanting to karaoke that 
um, 90s cardigan song, Love Me, Love, love Fool. Me. What, love Fool. Yeah. I want to karaoke that so bad. I can't stand it. <laughs> yeah. I played it. I was by myself yesterday cleaning the house, and I put it on repeat three times, so I think I'm ready, y'all. That's like the oh most amazing gosh. song, too. Also, I love the fact that you had answers like, this is my go-to, but this is what I want my go-to to be. Yeah. That also is very telling of like you as a person. That's so oh, true. Yeah. Luke, Luke knew he was going to get some content. <laughs> yeah, that, I mean, sure. I mean, if I got that question, it would have been a total dead, but you. That's okay. That's okay. That's okay. Yeah. Well, this is been great. I'm happy that we got to know more about you, Dali. Yay! And, um, the next I'm time you're going to be myself, just like Heather. That's, hey, you know what? You gotta you gotta be your own fan. Sometimes that's you right. ain't got no fans. <laughs> you got fans though. But next time we will hear from me. Yes. And I am so happy to have had this experience with you both. Mm-hmm. And I hope that you enjoyed listening. And we will see you next time. Goodbye. The Linguists would like to thank the following people for their help making this podcast possible. Christian Gaposi for use of your studio, you're the literal best. Our families for putting up with our crazy notions and allowing us to do it anyway. We love you all. Our friends for supporting and loving us, we are truly grateful for you. And to you for tuning in. We hope to see you again real soon. Intro and outro music by Brotheration Records. Podcast logo designed by Monday Morning Creative Studio.